How are we doing, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of Punch the Air. Uh, today, I'm hosting. We got Hollywood out at work. We got the buzzsaw in his office here, and we got Big E. What's up? What's up? How we doing? Good. We're not just Good another on, day baby. on Punch the Air. Just we doing? Day, just another day punching the air. But yeah, guys, another day. Um, our last pod of NBA before we head into NFL heavy. But, yeah, we're just going to kind of hop right into the NBA here. So, as far as first topic here, we're going to go over the free agency recap so far as what's happened. Um, the landscape of the NBA so far, I mean, as a general consensus, most people had the Lakers as winners, Suns as winners. Um, and then if you want to go over losers, you got the Bulls, you know, the Wizards, whoever. Um but as far as, you know, these teams go, let's start with the L.A. Lakers. How are y'all feeling about their offseason so far and their free agent moves? Lakers did awesome. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They acted like a competent, smart, shrewd front office. The whole goal was to go in and keep the core. Because everyone was like, oh, like I've seen people today be like, oh, they didn't like get incrementally. They didn't get like substantially better. It's like the whole point was to keep this core because they played like 30 games together. Like they're going to get better mm -hmm. just having the same players there just because they'll have better chemistry. On top of that, you add Gabe Vincent on an awesome deal. You yeah. keep, keep Reeves on an awesome deal. You bring in Deshaun Prince, a great 3 and D, long stretch 3-4. You get Cam Reddish and you bring in Jackson Hayes to back up Anthony Davis. And a right. sneak a sneaky thing they also did by not going and getting a big center, it's going to keep AD at the five, which he's like, he said he doesn't like playing the five, but he's fucking dominant at the five. Like that's his best position, even though he likes playing the four more. By doing that, they're basically saying, you're going to be our starting center and you're going to be playing 35 minutes a game at center, which is what where they need him because then you can put Braun at four and then you can go Rui, Reeves, Gabe Vincent, D'Lo, whatever. But they filled out the roster. They're 10 deep. They brought everyone back. They're locked and loaded. It's just it's up to AD and LeBron's health now. Yeah, I loved what they absolutely did. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact they could retain everyone, the fact they could bring even – like I know D'Lo didn't play really great in the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets, but he has those moments where he can play like a borderline all-star. And most people thought they weren't going to bring him back. And the fact they brought him back just as a cherry on top – I mean, I love it. And yeah, like you said, the depth. I mean, they got Cam Reddish two years for five million, Torian Prince one year for four and a half. I mean, and those are two guys too. Most people assume are going to get more money, but I mean, it's the fact that they're going to play with LeBron yeah. and be in LA. Mm -hmm. They get they didn't that overpay for anyone either. But the mm -hmm. fact that the I'll fact they got Austin Reeves for four years, fifty-six million, I think that might be the steal of the whole free agent class. I mean, I'm Austin, surprised. Yeah, I was surprised by that too, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I would think – I mean, they made it clear that any team that goes and offers him 20 mil, 25 and whatever, they were going to match it. So, I guess mm -hmm. that probably scares some I'm teams off team to match it. I'm but, dude – mm -hmm. Same here. Austin Reeves, four for 56. I mean, this is a guy that's going to average, I think, this year 16, 17 points. He could be that secondary playmaker next to LeBron. He's an experienced player. I think mm -hmm. they got him because, you know, he's not one of these guys that, you know, went off a rookie deal that has a lot of upside considering he's one yeah. of the, like – the older kind of, you know, younger players in the league. But Austin Reeves now is 
if we're just going off of average salary per year, he's the 26th highest paid shooting guard in the league. And I mean, considering he was he was restricted, but I mean, let that's me also you. a super deep position in the league because there's so many people who are like combo guards in the league. So you could throw in so many people just into that shooting guard combo area. So that's like a that's a good price for him, I would say. I think he should have gotten 20 mil. I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. They got him for 14 mm-hmm. annually. I mean, Max Struess got 15.7. Give me Austin Reeves over Max Struess all day long. Any you know. day, any fucking day. Bruce I Brown agree. got 22 and a half. I know it's only a two-year deal with a team option for the second year. So that I think that deal looks a lot better when you look into the details versus just mm-hmm. on paper. Yeah, but I mean, dude, I – after the playoffs he had, the fact you can get him as the 26th highest-paid shooting guard in the league, I think that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, Karis LeVert got 16 mil in the open market this year. Give me Austin Reeves over at Karis LeVert all day long. That might be my favorite signing of the whole offseason right there, honestly. What I really liked about what they did with the Lakers is something with their team that I thought they kind of was lacking is, you know, Austin Reeves is a young player, but he wasn't really, you know, like a high upside draft pick or anything like that. Some of these guys they drafted do have a lot of upside, and they actually have the chance to find a role. And sometimes with these guys that just need a chance and need to untap that potential, like Cam Reddish or Jackson Hayes a little bit too, you get those guys some better minutes. Jackson Hayes, where he has basically two ball two ball players in terms of Austin Reeves and LeBron dishing it out because now with Reeves there for four years, I mean, that's going to take a little bit of on-ball, you know, handling the rock every single time for LeBron off. But it's going to also create more matchups and lob opportunities for AD Jackson Hayes, who is a crazy athlete. So still a lot of young potential. And that's good stuff there, especially you get those guys on two-year deals. Like, yeah, they may overplay that contract. But at the same time, if they do overplay that contract with their upside, it's immense. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you get another nine points out of Cam Reddish again, I don't even think that that's bad. But I honestly think Cam's going to be a nice little double-digit score off the bench, hit a couple threes. And I think Jackson Hayes is just going to be another big lob threat guy coming off the bench. And that may help AD because it's a little, you know, counteractive of how they play as a team. You got KD, who's like a bruiser, obviously is athletic too, but, you know, not really what I would say is just like a pure, like just crazy, crazy athlete anymore. So then once you bring Jackson Hayes in, that's going to speed up the game because that guy's just lanky, tall, skinny, runs the floor and is looking for alley-oops in the block shot. So um, I really like what they did because, if they get anything better than what these guys were doing with their upside, it's going to look really well. And then, like y'all said, Gabe Vincent, he already knows he was a role player, and he's one of those role players who's shown in a big moment that he can step up. And them getting him on a three-year deal, who I'm sure a lot of teams wanted him, um, that's a winning player, which is the type of guys they need to go with these young guys. So mm-hmm. I think they did a, a really good job with everything overall in terms of keeping the course steady adding on to that core and keeping Reeves, which is going to, in the future, that's going to take pressure off LeBron dribbling the ball every time up and down the court, hopefully. And I think you're going to see Austin Reeves average close to seven assists a game next year. I really think he's going to be a big-time assist guy for that team, mainly because of what they're going to be able to do now with having faith in him with the money they just gave him. For sure. And the fact, too, yeah, like they get Reddish and Hayes on pretty much just flyers. Like, that's absolutely yeah. just no risk, just only reward involved potentially. Only there. rewards. Because yeah. if, if Reddish and Hayes gets playoff time and they don't even play, it doesn't matter. They're paying them doesn't matter. four mil to, or mm-hmm. not even four, two and a half mil a year. So, I mean, it's it's strictly only upside for them. They come playoff time. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt now is – I don't even know he's going to be starting anymore. And the fact you would yeah. have an ace defensively like him off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Gabe Vincent, I think you'll you know, see Reddish, him in like a, Prince. like a matchup depending on who they're playing. I think you'll see him kind of thrown in there to start and guard someone. But 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Because, I mean, also with Rui coming back, I was kind of liking what Rui was doing at the end of the playoff run for the Lakers. He was looking like a really good – he was looking like a really athletic, good little mid-range shooter, could hit a couple threes now and then. But he was looking like a good player and offensive threat that, you know, you could start him, you could not start him. But if there's any issues with D'Lo, I think they have have something in Rui also there off the bench too. So I like what they did. So, um, you know, I'd say it's an A-plus for them so far. And Rui was one of those guys too that – They also – if you look at their roster from a year ago, that was one of the oldest teams – Exactly. And they have revamped that in mm-hmm. a calendar year. They their yep. oldest two players are LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like everyone down is like 27 and down. That is yeah. an amazing job to cut all those bad contracts, flip them for young players who are all great in their own role. And mm-hmm. the second thing, all of those contracts are tradable. And they're Jeez. so and they're so damn deep that there's gonna be a player or two that falls out of the loop. There's going to be like one or two guys that just they they can't find their role because there's so many people that mm-hmm. there's not that many roles available. You have eight real starting to bench level spots when you get into the playoffs or crunch time moments. You have an eight-man rotation at the end. You're going to have tradable contracts to move at the deadline, especially with D'Angelo Russell. That is exactly $18 million a season. It's up for two years. It's a team option that mm-hmm. second year. So you're either trade you're trading in which is a perfect number around a $20 million to swap salaries, and it's an expiring contract. That's a perfect contract to move if you need to. Only thing, the Rui with Rui, they overpaid a smidge for Rui. That was a lot of money. But again, mm-hmm. a very tradable contract. I don't know really who they were bidding against, but I mean it wasn't like egregious. It's like 17 mm-hmm. a season, but that's right. another great tradable contract to move if you want to go out and go get like another like B plus A minus level player, like almost point or all star level guy. You have mm-hmm. assets to do that now. Yeah. So and they, I think um, they did almost everything perfectly this offseason. What exactly they said that they were going to do. Yeah. They, they, they hit the, they, I think they hit the nail on the coffin with this one because. I think part of the Rui signing was that I think you are going to see him kind of take a step up on this team. And he may end up looking like that money. And he was, to my knowledge, from what I remember, he was a top 10 pick. So, um, yeah. you know, the kids got upside. He, so he was big for them guy. in the playoffs, too. He's, yeah, I mean, exactly. He's a career, like, 32.32% three-point player. There was no one coming for him at the deadline. He played yeah. amazing in his time with the Lakers. Yeah, he showed, there's, he showed some be, promise. There's going to be regression. I mean, he's not going to be 50% from three again. He, I mean, he was a bad shooter before he came to L.A. Obviously, the LeBron factor helps. But he's a great defender. He's another big body. And that's the thing. They're long and great at defense at mm-hmm. every position on the floor now. So their defense is only going to get better. And if someone falls out of the rotation, they can easily move them and replace it with something better. So and that just helps them so much come playoff time. I mean, the fact that – I mean, they probably have arguably now the uh, the best assets of just long-wing athletic defenders in the league. And come playoff time, you, you just let LeBron play, make, and score. You could have Hachimera. You could have Vanderbilt, Reddish. You're our defenders. And just let LeBron mm-hmm. rest up for the playoffs and do what he does best. Especially – the thing, too, is LeBron, I think, was playing hurt these past playoffs. Like, you could come in the next season. With these guys, too, you could load management him even more now, exactly. too. Exactly. You know, if you need to spot start Hachimera, Reddish, you can. There's no problem with that. You can even load manage AD now with your size. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, even if you're running Jackson Hayes at center – you still have Rui, Vanderbilt, Prince. All of them are 6'8", 6'9". You can mm-hmm. run them forwards, and you're fine. You're, you're going to be bigger than most of your teams anyway. 
So exactly, yeah, they're they're in an amazing spot. They did it exactly. Job. Yeah, and as far as the so the Suns go, I mean, I think the Suns for what they had available to them, uh, I think they did a lot better than most of us anticipated. They lost. Jock Landell, he I think he got maybe overpaid a little bit, four for thirty-two to Houston. Yeah. But I mean, Houston's mm-hmm. obviously just throwing out money because they have Houston to fill up that, 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 that cap yeah. somehow. Okay. Yeah, Houston, but Houston had the cap. But I mean, the fact they can get Eric Gordon on, uh, I think he got two years, six million. I mean, that's a veteran guy that could come in. He could spot start. He could be their six man off the bench. The he fun. shot forty-two percent three in twenty-two games with LA last year. Utah want I don't know how to say his name exactly. Yutta want Tanabe. Pretty close. That, I think I mean, it's Utah, but close. That dude, close. That, I mean, he's great on defense. He shot 44% from three last year. His role going to come in, just play defense, hit open threes, and that's all they're going to have for him. Keita Bates-Diop, another guy, 39% from three last year, was a great defender for San Antonio, and that's what this team needed. They needed just three and D guys. They got three guys right there with Gordon Wadadabi and Bates-Diop. And I mean, they brought back a Kogi. They brought back Damian Lee. Damian Lee, not the best guy, but I mean, you know, for this Suns team, like you said, you get eight players in the playoffs. And now it looks like they probably have that with Book, Beal, Katie, eight, and a Kogi, and then Campaign, Gordon, Watanabe, Bates, off the bench, however you want to split that. But I mean, this Suns team, it's the way they played it out, they're looking kind of fucking scary right now. They did the best they could with the mm-hmm. card they were dealt. That, I mean, I think the Eric Gordon signing, like, moved the needle from they did decent to below average to they did great. Because, I mean, getting mm-hmm. Eric Gordon for the minimum, when he's either going to start for them or be, like, one of the best six men in the league, was amazing. I, I think Hell I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have been mad if the Mavs gave Eric Gordon our mid-level exception for 12 no. million. Like he he's a seventeen to eighteen point a game scorer and he's efficient. Like that's a, a that pickup alone, I mean, like reshaped their whole free agency stigma. Like they did a mate like that by itself was amazing. And they atta- they retained and kept good defensive pieces around the stars. So I mean yeah, Bates D- bait the fact Bates Diop two years for five million. I mean, he averaged ten points for San Antonio last year and He's another one of those long range defenders that could guard two through four. I mean, yeah, I think those mm-hmm. two are going to be huge for them come down the stretch. And like you said, with their assets, they they absolutely killed it. Now it's just once we see the regular season, you know, which of these guys are going to step up and emerge and kind of filter out the others. Well, but I mean, I mean, it's I mean, like the, all, all the free agent stuff's great, and I mean, it's going to come down to health. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if the, all three of the stars have to be healthy for the playoffs, even if mm-hmm. one of them is missing. I don't think they can take out LA or Denver. Now, do y'all do y'all think they're going to end up keeping DeAndre Ayton, or do we still think there's a trade looming? I think I think there's a trade looming, and I think that's why one of their other additions was Drew Eubanks from the from the Spurs. He's not. I don't really think he's a honestly starting caliber center. I know he did start some games for the Spurs though, but I think he's just going to be a serviceable player that is going to just be a big man that is just going to be your typical center down there. Because he was I on think the Blazers, so, by the way. Blaze, sorry, not he. My bad, Blazers. But um, with that being said, he is a decent player and decent role player, big man. And I think that may be ultimately what they're going to need Aiden to do. And if Aiden isn't into that at all and doesn't want to be a part of that, I think that he is going to get shipped off for someone that is a better role player, big man in the league. Um, I don't think it'll be a star caliber, and it's definitely not going to be the type of you know player you're going to get back with the number one pick you invested in Aiden, but. Um, you know, I definitely think they're going to 
probably end up going elsewhere because with the way his attitude's always been of late and maybe the new coaching staff figures that out. But with how he's been, I think that just makes it worse because everyone seemed to like Monty. Um, they just had to go the other direction because of results. But, um, you know, with all that being said, um, I definitely see Aiden on the ups and out in a very short time if he doesn't buy in. Yeah, I, I think, think with with Aiden, it's all just if he can accept the role. Like with exactly. those three stars there, it's like you're yeah. not we're not gonna you're not gonna get much offense ramp. You can just mm -mm. accept your role as you know a, a post guy, a perimeter defender. And we saw, I mean, a few years ago, he was a great perimeter, uh, not perimeter, but interior defender. If he could just accept that, but he's also Matt. Aiden, a great interior defender. He he played good a few playoffs ago yeah. inside. DeAndre Aiden's never been known as your presence but he, he held he held his ground a few years ago in the playoffs yeah i yeah the the thing with Aiden, like what they did in free agency they're backed into a corner with, with aiden now because that trading him for a wing doesn't help them. so mm -hmm. they're stuck with aiden at center or they have to move him for a big man that's really their only option at this point and the thing with aiden is he throughout his entire career so far if he doesn't get the ball he pouts and he doesn't, mm -hmm. try, he doesn't try on defense. So they're going to have to keep him involved offensively for him to play because they don't need him for offense, but they're going to have to let him offensively work and let him go to work down low. Cause if he does, if they don't, he's not going to do what they need defensively and on the glass. Right. I do have one trade and I'm completely stealing this from Vincent or uh, Bill Simmons, but it's a, who says no, it's Aiden, for Miles Turner and TJ McCollum from the Pacers. Who says no? Wait, I, think say the, I think the Pacers like Miles Turner a lot more after this past season. Miles, they, they, they put an offer down on Aiden for four years, 150 last offseason. Suns matched it. They, they wanted him last offseason. They've been trying to trade Turner forever. Yeah, I mean, but for the Suns' mm. sake, I mean, you're if you're trading Aiden – Yes, Turner's can stretch the floor for you, which Aiden's not really a great three-point shooter, but you're still not getting much post-defense whatsoever. What? With Miles Turner? Miles Turner can clean up shots. He can get some blocks, but he's Miles not. Miles Turner's he, one of the best defensive centers in the league. No, you know he's not. Miles interior, two and a half blocks a game last He's, he's like he's pretty, a Porzingis. He's like a Porzingis. He's going to no. get blocks and clean up, no. but he's not holding Dude. down the paint. Miles Turner is much better at defense, especially interiorly, than DeAndre Aiden. That's yeah. He may be. He may be. Miles, Miles, Miles Turner isn't known though as like a lockdown interior presence. Miles Turner, thing. he could get some splash plays with blocks Locking and he could a lot of shots. Yeah, Dude, I mean, no, no. My, yes, Miles, Miles Turner is not known as like a defensive hog that uh, will be down there cleaning up people's yeah, sticks. Yeah. He'll get he's like a three no, he's not. center. No, he's yes, not. He what are you no, talking he's about? Not. Dude, he 100% is. That's his MO, is he's a three and D center. Yeah, that's like, like that's, that's like his, his thing. whole game. Like That's he's, you're right. Like he's not fast. He is slow. And like, yes, maybe on the perimeter he'll get cooked because he's not athletic. But I mean, if you go in the paint on him, you're, you know, he's not a easy. monster in the paint. Yeah. No, he's, he, not he, easy. He, he's not, he's not known as like a paint guy, like an Allen or, or a Mobley like that. He's going to clean up plays with blocks and splash. Dude, he was a defensive he's, player of the year candidate like a year ago. Yeah. I, 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 when was he a defensive goal. player of the year candidate? <laughs> like a year ago. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he was last year. 
about I feel like two years ago he was leading the league in total shot blocks. Yeah, no, he led the, the league one year in blocks. Yeah, he led the league in twenty twenty one, and that's what I'm saying. Like he's he's a KP, <laughs> he's gonna get blocks, but he's not known Just as a guy it. that's gonna hold down your defense. I I mean in the right I think he definitely could in the right situations with the the I mean the the Suns I, would probably I, love I disagree I I disagree I think he's a good defender I but I don't think he's like a defensive hog that you you let just hold down the paint like a Gobert or a Allen or a Mobley I don't think he's that at all I, I think you better defense than Jared Allen That's I think Jared, Allen's, I mean, Jared Allen's a better defender than Miles Turner Jared Allen had the best defensive rating by a center last year. Him and Mobley were tight. Well, Mobley's, Mobley's more, he's more versatile. He could guard outside better than Jared Mobley's, Allen. But, Mobley's but, the better but, but yeah, overall, but I'm saying yeah. it's just strictly like the paint's yours. Miles Turner is not just like the paint's yours. Like, like if there's a bully ball coming in, like you're Dude, Miles Turner your... is about as close I... as you can get. Like, yeah, no, he's no, he's not. Dude. No, he's not. I I disagree. Yeah, he's he's I, like a. I disagree. Miles Turner wasn't even top fifteen in defensive rate. I, I agree. He could he could get blocks to make the splash plays and clean and up. Yeah. But he's not. But he's not a guy that you're just gonna stick down low and that's gonna wreck havoc. Like he'll get blocks. He makes the big sexy plays, but I don't think he's going to be the defensive hog down low. Well, I don't know how you get blocks and don't wreak havoc. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I completely disagree, but okay. Same. Well, we, we agree to disagree. But, I mean, Miles Turner wasn't even a top 15 <laughs> in defensive rating last year among centers. Okay, list Jared the top. Allen was number I mean, one. List the top 15 in defensive rating. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Nicholas Claxton, Joel Embiid, Brooke Lopez, Nick Rudy Gobert. Claxton. Uh, Jokic, Bam Abadayo, Aiton, Zubak, Plumley, and Seguin. That's the top 12. Okay, Alpi Seguin is not a And I'm not saying that that stat is like everything, because obviously those defensive stats are never fully accurate at all. I mean, they yeah, have Luka. Seguin didn't but, block But my point is he's he's not a guy. He's not, he's not an <laughs> Allen or a Mobley, you could say. Like an Allen or a Mobley with the Mavs, like the paint's yours. Like you can get up. Dude, it wasn't for fucking Julius Randle. Julius Randle bullied fucking both of them. Well, every center gets bullied every now and then. When I look at a defensive hog in the paint, I look at like Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. If, Rudy, if that's what Turner is, but he like shoots. No, he's Miles not. Turner doesn't get bullied down low. What are you talking? about? Like but he does. But he guy. doesn't. He's not like that dominating presence like a Gobert or Allen or an Embiid. He's quick. He could. He's quicker than these guys, so where he could help out on the perimeter a little bit more. But he's not. I I, I disagree. But he's just slow and athletic. That's why his like rating is low. But if you just I mean, my, my, Miles over isn't him, Miles isn't slow him. for a center. Compared he's to pretty, these other that's guys, like, oh, that's Miles like a, a big dude. He's not yeah, he's slow not for a skinny. center. He's not dude, very. He's probably like two sixty. He's a yeah, big he's, dude. He's I never mean, been like an seven athlete. Feet, that's never been his tall. thing. Yeah, but I'm. I, I I disagree with you all on that. But teach you know teach their own. But be beyond the Suns, um, another team here that was notable. The Mavs, uh, we got to talk about the Mavs. I mean, I absolutely love the Seth Curry signing. The fact you can get Seth Curry for two years, $9 million. Last time he played with Luka, he shot 44% from three. I think Steph Curry 
I mean, he could shoot damn near 50% from three when he gets brought in here, and that makes Tim Hardaway expendable now. But for the Mavs' sake, with Seth Curry in there now, he will be in the Tim role. You have to trade Tim Hardaway, and if, I mean, they tried the Capella thing, if you could somehow get a Capella, maybe a Jonas Valanciunas to come in there to swap him out for. And then beyond that, they still have the full MLE, which you're hoping you can get a Grant Williams or a P.J. Washington. But I'm a believer. I, I'll die on this hill. If the Mavs can facilitate two moves like that, swapping a Hardaway for a Clint Capella type and then signing a P.J. Washington or a Grant Williams, who are both restricted free agents, so we won't know till Thursday what the deal is on these restricted guys, I think that makes the Mavs a legitimate contender. Currently constructed, the Mavs will have the exact same starting lineup as we did last offseason. Last <laughs> we'll have the exact same starting lineup. And well, our depth, our depth, our depth is a lot better. But I, and that's why I said if they could still facilitate two more moves, because the Mavs. Okay, that thing. Wasn't the my, problem my, my, when three starters are combining my, for twelve points a game. Like, my thing with the Mavs is everyone's getting mad they haven't done anything. What moves are out there that they could make? All we had was the full MLE of $12.5 million. You see guys like Brooks go for $20 million. You see guys like Bruce Brown go for $22.5 million. There's really no signings that Dallas could have made to this point. So we're still to be determined on if they can go uh, get a restricted guy. Redis. We could have signed Terry and Prince. We could have gone after Rui. We could have gone after a well, we Well, we couldn't what afford – we, could, right? we, we couldn't afford Rui. Rui's getting $17 million. Well, we could Throw have gone that one after out. him. Cam, Cam Reddit. The guys that went to the Lakers on minimum deals, we could have gone after Eric Gordon. There's a – there are so many people. Eric, Eric, Gordon's, not, Eric Gordon's not good at defense anymore. <laughs> Eric, Gordon's, Eric, Eric Gordon's not any better than Seth Curry at this point for the Mavs. Yeah, Eric Gordon's better and than Seth. I, I, EG. I, I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd rather have Seth Curry on the Mavs than Eric Gordon right now. Eric Gordon does not play any defense anymore. He's 35. That's a lie. That's Seth, a lie. Seth Curry plays defense? No, Seth, Seth Curry, no, Seth Curry does not play any defense. My thing with Seth Eric Curry Gordon's is the better they, player. They signed Seth Curry to replace Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway's gone now. Yes. You can't keep Seth and Tim I Hardaway. I like the Seth Curry signing. But as of now, there is one player, and it's Grant Williams. That's the only player. P.J. Washington. We haven't been connected to P.J. Washington. Maybe we go. Maybe we do. Well, we don't. Here. I'm just saying it's a potential Out landing spot. Out of all spot. players that we were connected to, Grant Williams is really the only one left for Matisse Thibel. We have to get one of them. Or our yeah. start, or barring trade, which I mean, it's not like people are fucking crawling over to get Tim Hardaway. Like we're prop, like we're not going to get shit back for Tim. Like we DJ. don't have tradable assets. Our starting lineup right now will be the exact same as last year. All we have are young depth that we've added that won't play meaningful minutes next season. So we don't. We didn't have much to work with, and I mean, now we're tied to the mass with Kyrie. So. It probably doesn't fucking matter anyway. We're going down with the ship. But there, there wasn't really much to do, but we haven't done a damn thing. Oh, we did get Dante Exum, but. It's fantastic. He'll fill the uh, Frank Nitekila role. <laughs> I mean, this. We're, but we're, my we're thing, my thing with like. Of Josh Green, of Josh Green, Dwight Powell, and Reggie Bullock being our three other starters. Well, and the whole point of this, there's still moves to be made for Dallas. Yeah. Dallas is one of these teams. They weren't going to be making moves on the first day or two of free agency. I think so I think this we, is still. We were, we were hoping there was. Well, we were hoping, but there was nothing out there for him to get. 
We could have given Terry and Prince five million. We could have given. I mean, you you seven. don't know that though. Yeah, Terry is more than the minimum. You you don't. There these guys. People pick L.A. over Dallas. These players want to play with LeBron. They want to live in L.A. We could have given you wanted to give Cam Reddish the full MLE. Are we going to give anyone the MLE? We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but it's still to be determined. What the fuck are we going to do with it? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But that's why I'm saying it's still to be determined. And if they could, I I think that 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 my the thing I am scared about is they did announce that. They do have a plan for a center platoon with Powell, Holmes, and Lively, which I don't like at all. I just I don't see how you keep Tim Hardaway at this point, though, with signing Seth Curry. So my hope is that they trade Tim Hardaway for a center, a stopgap center, and then they use the, the full MLE on, like you said, a Thibel or a Williams or a P.J. Washington. I was kind of hoping they'd go get my boy Miles Bridges, but he re-upped with Charlotte, so... Trey Lyles would have been nice for y'all, but but yeah, I agree with you. If they don't make him. if they if they don't make any more moves, they're not a real contender for sure. They still don't have the defense at all. No. Yeah, but Kyrie like, and Luca are have to going to have to average thirty eight a game right now. So yeah, but we'll and so I had one loser from free agency, and it was the Chicago Bulls. Um, my main thing with the Bulls, I just do not understand the direction of this team whatsoever. They got Vucevic for three years, 60 million, Kobe White, three for 40, and Javon Carter, three for 20 to replace Pat Bev. I don't mind those contracts. I don't think those are bad deals at all. But with the Bulls, it's just like, what is your direction at this point? Like, this team is, even with these re-signings, they're not a contender by any means. They're much closer to a lottery team than a contender. And it's just like, Take a shit or get off the toilet at this point if you're Chicago. Like, Chicago Bull fans, I mean, if I'm a Bulls fan, I would much rather them just tear it down. Like, take a page out of the Thunder's book. Take a page out of the Magic's book. You see these teams tear it down and then, you know, suck for a few years to benefit your team later down the line. And for the Bulls, it looks like they're just going to be treading water for the next, you know, few years. And they're just pushing this rebuild farther and farther down the line, which I just don't understand because with this current core – I think we can all agree they're not a real threat to win anything. Their ceiling is what a, a first round exit, probably. Like there's, there's like a just, bubble. I don't see any real good outlook for the Chicago Bulls right now. And if I'm a Bulls fan, I'd much rather them just let these guys walk, trade Demar Derozan, trade Zach Levine, get all the young assets and picks you can get, and just say we're gonna play f- for two or three or four years down the line. Yeah. They need the East to keep being shitty if they want any chance at a decent playoff spot. So and that and that's going to be with like a 500 record, maybe maybe under, maybe under. Yeah, they're that's, they're a playing team. Um, they're a playing team. Yeah, too. It's like if you're the seven seed, you're going up against the Heat with probably Dame or Boston or Milwaukee, so you're fucked. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are also. I mean, like if they were to go full rebuild, you have DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic. You could get fucking hauls for at least Levine and. DeRozan, you could probably get decent stuff for Vucevic. You could mm-hmm. even, I mean, you throw Lonzo out there with and package him in a deal for, you know, with one of those. I don't players. know. Is, can they even trade Lon? I don't. I don't know if they can because he's Lonzo's just so unknown. Like we have no. Yeah, idea I mean, he might not even like, play, but you might as well just, you know, get a second round pick or whatever. But just, I mean, if you if they were to tear it to the studs, and they do have Patrick Williams, Colby White's still young. Like they have a couple young pieces you could just let start and develop. But if they wanted to blow it up. They could acquire 
so many assets in such a short period of time that they could be just as loaded as a team like Portland after they trade Dame or a team like the Thunder or a team like that. Like they could really flip this franchise on its head in an offseason, but they are choosing not to do it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I think the Raptors, they're, I think they're one other loser in my eyes. They they let Van Vliet walk to y'all in Houston. He's getting way yeah. overpaid, but Houston had to Whatever. spend the money. But mm-hmm. they re-signed Jacob Hurdle for $20 million a year, which I don't think is a bad contract. He's a good player. But they're in the same direction. It's like, what what are they doing? What are, I don't – the, the end goal is to win a championship. Like, if if you're floating water, like the Raptors – Raptors have better pieces, I think, than the Bulls, but there's still no serious threat by any means. So mm-hmm. tear it the fuck down, man. Yeah. Play for the future. I think it's, I think it's some weird thing because I think it's something with the Raptors specifically because they – I feel like they're very – they like to have pride in developing their players at, all the way through from either second-round picks to G League guys to first-round picks and developing them. I mean – And so with these acquisitions they got, I mean, they're not horrible. It's just that with what they're trying to do, it doesn't make sense. I don't really – four years for Pirtle, I don't really know how he's fitting in long-term there um, with what I think is going to be available to them. Once they blow things up, I think that'll end up being a really shitty contract in about two years, I think. Schroeder, he is always tradable. Everyone is always trading him or releasing him, that sort of thing, so – I mean, yes, he was decent last year, but honestly, I don't really have much faith in him making much of a difference for him. So I think they're just, in a way, trying to give hope that these young guys they have, like Scotty, Pascal, um, I know they let Fred Van Fleet walk. I think they're just kind of wanting these guys to take a step. And um, with all that being said, bringing Gary Trent back also, I know is something that they were thinking of. So um, it's just kind of weird. And I think they're just thinking that they can just develop these young guys into a very good team. Um, but it's they don't want to tear down at all than just add like role players. Twenty nine, probably at this point. I mean, I'd Pas- say yeah. pa- Pascal's not, he's not a young player. Yeah, yeah he was never drafted as a young I mean, guy. The, the the silver lining with Toronto is they're such a they're they're twenty nine. Well, they're such a well built team that doesn't have a superstar that it's like mm-hmm. if Joel Embiid were to become available and you could insert. Joel Embiid, just like they did with Kawhi a few years ago, or maybe even Kawhi or whoever. Like, but yeah. they're such a well-built team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Really, they're only just missing a point. They're missing a point, a, a traditional point guard and a superstar. But it's mm-hmm. like, you can find, like, we'll get Kyle Lowry back. Like, you can get him for cheap. He can still play, like, a traditional point guard role. Like, if a big-name superstar – Word like I'm actually surprised they're not in the Dame discussions. I would assume they'd be going after Dame because sneaky Dame trade. They're a team that if they got a superstar, they're right back in the mix. Like they're Mm -hmm. right, and it's just like Cole. You did the Kawhi trade last week, and we did it. Like, and that's a nasty team once you add them a superstar. Whereas the Bulls, I don't give a shit if you add Joel Embiid to that team. I have Demar Derozan and Levine chucking fifty shots a game. Like I I don't care about. Those pieces don't fit. Toronto fits, though. It's all defensive, perimeter-centric players that if you could add the right star to just spearhead the team, that could be a dangerous-ass team. So I I don't mind them holding out. Bullshit blow it up. But I think Toronto holding out, I don't mind it because they're still Mm -hmm. – like they're one move away from being back in contention. Yeah, they're just missing that alpha. Yeah, they're missing their guy. 
But yeah, beyond that, y'all have any other uh, teams y'all want to touch on free agency? Uh, just other other than the Rockets, just bull, fucking throwing money out there like it's goodwill. I mean, other than that, there's fucking donating money. How do you I can't feel about the I Van Vliet to... signing? I mean, I like it and I understand it. I think we're kind of taking a page out of the Knicks book here, and because uh, Van Vliet's going to be a very important player for the Rockets, and he's going to be very important to the development of Jalen Green. And I think you saw what Brunson did for that Knicks team. So I think we're kind of taking one out of their book after the Mavericks let Brunson walk. So we're kind of Hoping for the same situation. Um, I don't. I mean, seeing Fred Van Fleet make forty fucking million dollars is kind of crazy. But at the same time, we kind of had to do that if we wanted him where we're at, and that is probably the best point guard on the market right now. So I don't really hate it at all. Um, but what I really do hate is that I'm gonna have to somehow figure out a way to root for Dylan Brooks now making twenty fucking million dollars a year, and he better be the best fucking defender on our team and potentially in the West, if I'm, if he has any chances of me rooting for him um, or he's going to have to get in multiple fights for me to end up liking him. So um, I don't know what it's going to take, but they spent a lot of money and I don't know why the fuck we gave Jock Lindell four fucking years, 30 fucking million dollars. I don't really get that at all. I probably um, hate that one more than any of them, honestly. Yeah. I mean, before the playoffs, that guy that was a was. reserve. Yeah. I don't really know what the fuck that was there. And, and I don't know what that does to Shangun in the process either if we're giving this jock motherfucker fucking <laughs> millions of dollars every year. So um overall I don't I don't love it because we are spending a lot, but we kinda have to. We have the money to and we can't just yeah, you, you wait had to fill another out the salary year. somehow. Yeah. So. We have to fill it out. So um I don't really mind the Van Fleet. I, I think he could potentially have a Brunson esque season. But the problem is we need more. We need a Julius Randle to step up. We need. We really need Jalen Green to really hit it off with Van Fleet or who the fuck knows what's next for us. I don't know. But, this might be yeah. a hot take, and I'll preface this by saying I wish the deals y'all made were two- to three-year deals and not three- to four-year deals. But I Van, actually, Van Fleet was three years. I know. I know his was three. Everyone else was four. I'm saying if they were all two to three. Um. I do like what y'all did by going and getting competitive players that are going to mm-hmm. make your young team. TRB. It's going to put it's going to put your exactly. young team in competitive positions, mm-hmm. and what it's going to do it's going to help them grow. But what it's not going to do is those players are going to still have to be the alpha. Like if James Harden is on that team, James Harden's the alpha, and he's the one leading the ship through crisis with right. Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks. You're going to allow those young players to get to those crisis points, but they're going to have to figure it out. It's not going to be like, oh, my God, we're down by one in, you know, the the bubble or the uh, play-in game. Like, here, James Harden, take the ball and shoot a step back three. It's like, no, you have to go figure it out now. But what mm-hmm. this it's going to speed up. It's going to speed up the development of those young right. guys, but it's going to allow them to still be the alpha on the team. I, I actually like what y'all did. The only concern I have is the contract lengths. Of especially Dylan Brooks and Liddell and even Van Fleet. I think you'll trade Van Fleet after two years. But the contract length is the only issue because you're going to have to eventually start paying Jabari Smith and Sagoon and Jalen Green. Exactly. Two years, which is why I wish those deals were two-year deals. Because if you want to get the jock one, that one pisses yeah. me off still. I don't, if two I don't year deal, You let them develop with these older guys that make you competitive, then they're gone. Now they're ready to take the team over. Now you pay them big money. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a little overlap there, but I, I actually like what you did. It, it's going to push yeah. you guys because they're going to be a competitive team. There's too much talent. Mm-hmm. 
So you're going to be a spicy team that's probably going to maybe make the play-in. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But but you're going to be in close games, and that's what's going to help those young guys develop. Which is learning a lot. So I I actually I actually I actually like it. I I think Mm -hmm. y'all did well. Uh, And I I think all the deals were shorter. And I think Dylan Brooks. This is something that I maybe a hot take. I'm not saying he's this player at all. But I think with Udoka there, he has a chance to become the Marcus Smart of the Houston Rockets in their future with however that future develops. He he really – I don't love the guy that much, and I'm going to have to get over it at some point once we start winning games. But at the same time, he does have all those sort of traits that Marcus Smart has. And, yes, he may talk way more shit than Marcus Smart does, but honestly, if we get a Marcus Smart type player out of Dylan Brooks in that contract – I may end up being totally fine with it and saying it was totally worth it because like you said, it's going to force these guys to get more competitive because I think Dylan yeah. Brooks would kill one of our rookies if they're not trying to get competitive or get better. And I yeah. think the same with Van Fleet because all Van Fleet has ever had to do in the league is get better every single day, every practice, every game. So yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I like it, but it's a lot of money spent. That's the only Hold. thing we'll have to see. What do you think about this idea? And this was just what me and he were talking about. But we're saying, like, what they did, it makes the Rockets competitive. They're going to be in games. They're going to be playing in high-stakes leverage moments. But what they didn't do is they didn't go get an alpha to control those moments. So what this, mm-hmm. what these moves are going to do, and it's why I said I wish the deals were shorter, so you could space it to where, like, two years these contracts are up and two years we got to start extending our young players. But in this two-year window, the Rockets are going to be competitive. Like, there, there's too much talent there to not be. But what it's going to do is when you get in these competitive moments, Jalen Green has to figure it out. Jabari Smith has to figure it out. Like, right. and then Thompson has to figure it out. You don't have James Harden there to where it's like, oh, we're down one in the play-in game. James Harden take the ball, shoot a step back. It's like, no, Jalen Green, you got to go figure this shit out. Like, yeah. this is your team. But, mm-hmm. but that's why I like these moves because these moves are competitive moves, but they don't take away, like, who's – the young players are still in control of the team. This just pushes the young players to be more competitive. I, right, and I right. and I like that for those young guys too, and I like it too for the fact that they will be competitive because the past two or three or four years with the after the Harden Paul thing, it's just like they have been known as like not even being competitive whatsoever and just a losing mm. culture, losing organization. And I think that's good for y'all fans as Rocket fans and just for the players too in their mindset of okay, like we're actually trying to win now. Like yes, we're not right. a contender by any means. But we're actually going to go in games with the mindset of we can win any game we step into versus mm-hmm. to where when you only have guys that are fucking 18 to 22, right. you have no real right. you have no one to look up to. You have no one to say right. what's up. And now Van Vliet can be that guy for y'all Brooks. I don't really mind the Brooks signing. I think if if that LeBron fiasco yeah. doesn't happen with Brooks, then we're saying 20 mil a year for Brooks is not a bad deal by any yeah. means. Like, that's yes, what I was telling. I would have loved a, that deal for Dallas. He's, he's not an efficient scorer by any means, mm-hmm. but you know you're going to get a lockdown defender and a guy that still does have some offensive upside. He still is pretty yeah. young. So, And I was telling um, I was telling Besney, too, with, with Yudoka being there, he also has the chance of becoming the Marcus Smart of the Houston Rockets for the foreseeable future. And if you're getting that at 20 million, I think that's totally worth it when you see what that type of player can do for a team. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to get over the fact that I'm going to have to root for him eventually. Um, and then when he's really bad, I'm going to have to tamper my expectations and my hate. But at the same time, I do agree. I just, my only thing is, you know, like Luke said, the money and the years on the contracts, that's my only thing really. But in terms of what we're looking to do and what could, what could come from this, I like it, and I think this also puts finally 
finally puts Jalen Green in the spots where, okay, wow. yes, we have Fred Van Fleet, but he is not a number one go-to guy. We have Dylan Brooks, but he is, we have shown, he is definitely not a, he may not really even be the number three guy on our team on offense in all honesty. But at the same time, now Jalen Green, I say true point guard, a true leader, a true competitor to finally be around him. And then he has Dylan Brooks also, who's probably going to be chirping at him for being lazy or just trying mm -hmm. to do all his stylistic fashion stuff and everything. Um, I think this is going to be a wake up moment for Jalen Green. And I truly think depending on how this season goes with how Jalen Green does, if he doesn't take a pretty big step forward for us in terms of, I think, pushing near all-star level, I think you could see him become a little more desirable and tradable for us to actually get someone in there that would make a difference. And that could be a year from now, a super max sign and trade trade for Jalen Brown and bring him back. Or that could be a go get Paul George from the Clippers after they, you know, get knocked out because they're injured in the playoffs again. Um, So my for only sure. thing again is those trades that were not the trades, the contracts of some guys, they're long. So that may screw over some of the young guys that we're going to have to pay like Luke mentioned. But at the same time, if we're winning, those young guys are going to either have to be a part of the winning solution or they're not a part of it at all with Udoka. And that's kind of what, what we're doing as a whole. So exactly. I, I like it. I like it as a culture and organization, but in terms of like money and the values, like, was he worth this? Was he worth that? Definitely not. But we just had so much money to spend. We we're like, we're just going to get who we want and then deal with whatever after that. Cause we need to be competitive now. So yeah. I agree. And I, and and I, I like it. Yeah. It gives, it gives these young guys like confidence and competitiveness that I don't think was there at all for Houston. And now yeah. you can be in situations where we could actually run a team with, with Jalen shots, not taking 25 shot attempts a game, highly exactly. contested. Like we could run mm -hmm. a real team, a real offense with how we'd like to see in the future. And it, it gives these guys a, a real chance to actually somewhat succeed with these pieces around them. Whereas before it's just, okay, we have a bunch of 19 year old. I'll just go out like, there let's just fucking and do whatever, you, do whatever you can. Been, let's just fucking see. Yeah. yeah and, you can't, and you can't really build up players with that kind of personnel or that kind mm -hmm. of demeanor as a team. So I, I, I like the Rockets, what they did. I, a lot of people I think disagree and don't like it, but you, at mm -hmm. some point you gotta, you gotta get some real players. The, in there. Exactly. I, 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 I love it. And mm -hmm. just real quick, I think this is an exciting time in general for Rockets fans because it is I think between Amen Thompson, Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore, Jabari Smith, and Sagoon, I think all five of them have all-star potential. Obviously some more than others and not mm -hmm. all are going to get there. Right. I think probably I'd say at least one will get there. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a decent chance two of them get to that and, level. And, this and the thing is like that process. Yeah. And the thing is too is that, I mean, it's kind of getting off subject, but having fucking Ime Yudoka there, I mean shit, he is a master at developing guys. He got the whole Boston Celtics team to be a, a whole unit in his first year. And yeah. I honestly think the Rockets have as a whole more talented young players, not like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, good young. But I think as a whole, like we have more young guys for him to develop and make into good NBA players. So it is an exciting time, like you said. So we'll just have to see. And hopefully these guys don't make everyone that was hating on the picks and the signings uh, make us eat our words, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So um, hopefully they're eating theirs after this. So playing yep, game. Yep. That's a hell of a win from the last two years of just saying, fuck it, let's see what happens, basically. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, y'all's philosophy, y'all are out of that. All right, we're just playing for a pick at this point. Let's try to do something. Mm -hmm. um, do y'all do have any other teams you want to touch on? Uh, no, not really. I think we're good. Okay. Just get a little cover. Good deal, good deal. All right, next up, we'll kind of hop into some trade talk here. Um, first one on the burner, obviously, Dame Lillard. He 
he's gone at this point. The Trails Blazers just look like a dumpster fire. But Buzzsaw, I know you got. I know you got a few. Oh, this is my time to shine, baby. I know I'm you got a few tattoos. Let's hear them. Oh man, I did some. I I put some hours into this. You went into the trade machine. I, I went into the trade machine. I man. will say this too: that it's hard to like make Dude, trades in that trade machine. I spent fucking hard. Oh yeah, the money, out. the yeah, financial the part of it sucks, Dick. I didn't Dude, even understand I, I spent that. an hour trying to figure out a trade that works that teams that they would actually do with the Heat. So I got two. I got Dame to the Heat and Dame to Philly. So those are the two. They're both three. I think they're both three team trades. One might be four. No, they're both three. All right. We'll go through the Heat one first. So this is a three-team trade between the Miami Heat, the Golden State Warriors, and the Trailblazers. So the Warriors are facilitating this move. I almost did Boston, but I just couldn't assume I couldn't see Boston facilitating Dame to, to the Heat. I can't see them doing that. That's their rival in the conference. They're not going to help them get Dame. So I went with the Warriors. All the Warriors are doing, Warriors are getting Yusuf Nurkic. They need a big man. This helps them out. They're still in win-now mode, obviously. They just got Draymond. They're picking up Nurkic. They're going to send out Gary Payton, Moses Moody, and some random guy named Brandon Podzimisk. That's the guy they just drafted at 19. All right, they're sending him out to Portland. Or maybe someone else. It doesn't really matter. We just I just needed someone to fill out like two more million. So we can swap that, whatever. So basically, they're sending out Gary Payton, Moses Moody, and a salary filler to the Trailblazers. Heat are getting Dame and Nico Mannion. I had to, we had to figure out someone a little, little salary cap filler there. So they're just getting Dame and Nico Mannion. Miami is sending Portland. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jazang, or whatever his name is, Jazang, the guy from UCLA, their first-round draft pick. Daddy. Uh, Jovic, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two first pick swaps. So in total, Portland gets Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Gary Payton, Moses Moody, Nikolai Jovic, salary filler, from Golden State, they get two first, two seconds, and two first pick swaps. Golden State gets their center in Nurkic because they still need a big. Their tallest guy is fucking um, Kaminga. They need someone to run pick and roll with CP. They trade off their other young assets. They get Nurkic, who if he's healthy, is a 15 and 10 guy. Portland gets Dame. And Portland still has uh, the Martin brother. They still have Bam and Jimmy, obviously. They actually keep Kyle Lowry in this deal, too. And they've got, you know, developmental players after that. What happened to James Wiseman? I'm just curious. Was he, he went, on the Warriors? They no, sent he, him to the Pistons for five second-round picks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, then, and then they traded all five of those for Gary Payton. Yeah, I don't mind. I think if any team was to say no in that, it would be Golden State. Because I just – I don't think Nurkic provides – he provides them size, which they definitely need. Nurkic is really good. I mean, he's good when he's healthy. He's a good offensive center for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a seven foot two fifty guy. So I mean, he's not like the rim protector, but he's a presence at least down low, kind of like Jokic is. Yeah. And all they're they're sending out Gary Payton and Moses Moody, and then some two million dollar crap ball off their bench. Yeah, and yeah, the salary filler. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind it for Golden State. I think Golden State actually may value Gary Payton. They traded five second round picks for him. Yeah, um, was that kind of defensive guy off the bench? Mm-hmm. But. And for Portland, how many picks do they get? They get two first and two pick swaps. But, I mean, they pick up Hero, Robinson, 
Jazang, Gary Payton, Moses Moody, and Jovich. So that's yeah. six young so you're, Yeah, you're getting Yazang and who's a rookie. You're getting Mo, Moody, who may have some upside still in all those picks. Jovich, yeah. who we don't know about, hero, 20-point-a-game score. They're getting six young players and then two yeah. first, two pick slots. And those picks are a 28 – or. A 28 first unprotected and a 20 30 unprotected from Miami. So those are probably going to be fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, those I'll, three teams, those three team trade. Yeah, those three team trades, it just, it's always, you always wonder because some team in there, you there's always a big loser in a three team trade, but you always have to look at it as a situational thing. So right. I kind of like, I kind of like the Nurkic in there because. I don't really think there's truly anyone they could get in other three team trades, which you're probably going to go over here in a little bit. Um, I don't really think there's another big that would be better than Nurkic and would actually be worth like the Warriors saying, all right, yes, like we're giving away Moses Moody in this, but honestly, we're, they may think they're a big man away from being a complete team. And I I think they do. I mean, they, I think, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, Nurkic, if he's healthy, I mean, he's not necessarily like a dominator in the paint on defense, but he's a good offensive player, and that is yeah, just he's another seen and ten guy. He's yeah, a good exactly. Player. Good he's boards. Awesome. Yeah, it's he's not a bad player, and he's probably in terms of the teams looking at doing three team trades, probably one of the better options to get back. So that, that, I kind of like Jordan Nurkic. Yeah, that was the hard thing for me because I had to figure out either a way to trade Lowry to a team that needs a point guard, which is why Boston came up. But my aunt, right. Boston's not going to facilitate a trade for Dame to Miami. They're not. Yeah. But so I would always Warriors have no stake. Warriors have no stake in the Eastern Conference and, I, and a team that needs a starting center. And I was like, okay, well, we can do Golden State. That's their one need. Mm-hmm. And they're trading. I mean, Moody's been completely underwhelming since they drafted him. He's had a couple. Right. Of months, but, yeah. And I mean, they do value Gary Payton, but. Max Gary Payton's giving you 20 minutes a game, eight points and good defense. Like, I think the value, I think you, you can, you could talk yourself into like, okay, we can get 16 and 12 out of Nurkic when he's healthy on top of everything else around him. We're going to be almost unstoppable offensively. Mm-hmm. So I think right. that would push the needle for them. And I think the package for Portland, you get those six young players. Which is then, what they need. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, cause obviously you can then swap those players. I think you move Tyler Hero after that. You get two first, two seconds, and then mm-hmm. two first pick swaps. I think that's a pretty good haul. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I feel like with Portland, everyone's saying, like, why would they want Tyler Hero? Because they already have the, you know, inflation of guards already there. But, yeah, then again, Tyler Hero or Simmons or Shady and Sharp. Pretty it's cold. Like, obviously, all of these guys aren't going to be a part of your future plans, but you're going to swap <laughs> – you're going to eventually – one of those guys is going to step up, one's not, then you're going to end up swapping them for right. more future assets to get. Well, and that's the nice thing. Robinson and Hero, they're very tradable contracts. It's 18 yeah. and 27 million. So if you want to bring someone – And in, Hero's like, still what, like 24 years old? Yeah, like, he's like 25. Okay, real quick. All this shade and sharp talk. Who is this guy actually that good? Because I hear everyone I like, think... has such a good young core. They can build around this shade and sharp guy. Like, is he like – is he really anything – like he averaged nine points game last year as a rookie, which is his good. upside. It's it's what he it's so he didn't have crazy numbers last year, but it's there were moments <laughs> where he kind of showed when Dame was you know Dame would be hurt every now and then or get a rest because they're kind of shit and you know at the end of the year Dame didn't really play that much so he had some moments where he was looking really fucking scary because what makes him so dangerous is he is a six eight guard almost which if you yeah. talk about Tyler Hero. 
you could easily slide that big motherfucker over to small forward, and you have a six eight guard playing forward, and he is ridiculously athletic. I mean, he, and he can shoot the ball. He's just not super consistent, and he didn't even play college basketball. I mean, he was committed to Kentucky, was hurt the whole time. So there is uh-huh. a lot of upside, and I think what he has shown as a young player, even though it's nothing crazy, he he could be absolutely terrifying if you give him starter minutes, which is what they're going to be looking at now. But I honestly, I think if this is your core that you're developing and building up and you would eventually pay Tyler Hero after the trade you're talking about, Scoot Henderson, Tyler Hero, Shaden Sharp. If those three guys, I mean, Scoot and Tyler Hero are probably the more for sure going to have great careers. But mm-hmm. if Shaden Sharp and turns out to be as good as like everyone's talking about and how good he has shown, like in terms of the upside, Holy fuck. I mean, that's kind well, of scary. And, and, then you have the, and then you have the tradable guards and Duncan Robinson, mm-hmm. Gary Payton, and Moses Moody. You don't think Boston yes. would come knocking on their door for Gary Payton? Like, exactly. Okay, like, once those, once those three there. develop. Like, yeah. You, you have those a three develop. influx, which then you swap at the deadline for pieces. So, okay, I got to mm-hmm. go to the real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. All good. But do yeah, you, I mean, I. Do you have any Dame oh, trades? Oh, so I didn't do any of the big trade machine ones. I just thought one sneaky destination that y'all talked about too. I mean, I kind of wrote it down as well. I really like the idea of him going to Toronto again because, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier. They really are just one piece away from an alpha away from being a top tier team in the East. Um, And so with that being said, I think them kind of being a sneaky player in the Dame field could be interesting. But once again, I don't know if that would work out because that kind of puts Dame in this situation again to where, yes, I think the Raptors are a very good, potentially contending team. But then you could also, if they're not, and shit hits the fan with the group that they have right now, that could be something that's shitty. And I also don't think Dame wants to go to a first-year coach situation either. I think mm-hmm. he really wants to go somewhere that is basically, he knows what he's going to get out of his entire coaching staff, what's expected of him. And there really isn't a better place to go in terms of going to Miami and having Dame Lillard and Jimmy Butler in playoff time is pretty terrifying in my opinion. Yeah. So that would be, and if Bam Adebayo is your third player in the playoffs on those guys, if he, he needs to get better offensively. Um, but I mean, he dribbles that shit up the court. If I mean, fuck, they have, that would be a very fucking scary team. Um, and then also just because of the assets and if they wanted to blow things up and, you know, because of the contract that is available, um, if for some reason that the T-Wolves were interested, I could see it because they just got, they just invested in Ant and, you know, they also have Cat locked in. So um, if they could somehow get her to go bear and make some tricks and just kind of throw in a haul, um, they would have to be like a three-team trade, I think, to make that work for them. But um, I think there's some sneaky teams that are on the verge of contending that may intrigue Dame, but I think it comes down to Dame is wanting to go somewhere where he knows what he's going to get and He's not going to get a better coach situation, and he's not looking to be with the first-year head coach his first season there. Um, I think Dame is trying to stay away from a whole lot of noise from wherever he goes if possible. Um, He's kind of used to that, and that's kind of what he's been thriving off of, honestly. Um, Obviously, he's going to get it from wherever he goes now, but um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what teams kind of throw in here if the Heat can't do something because it totally changes what I think Dame's thinking in terms of where he wants to go because not many people have the sort of organizational structure that he can offer Dame from where he's coming from organizationally structured before. So yeah, um, total total polar opposite. So that's why other than this heat, it's really interesting to see what organization really sticks out to him. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. I think Toronto would be a sneaky move, too. I don't think Damon's up there because I think ultimately, like, the loyalty he showed to the Blazers, they're going to ultimately send him where he wants to go. But, right. yeah, with the Toronto thing, I, my one trade that I liked was with the Raptors, and it was Dame for OG, Chris Boucher, Otto Porter for filler, then three first-round picks. And like we saw with Toronto, I mean, they go and get Damon there. I, I think that team could be a real contender if you mm-hmm. have Dame, Siakam, Scotty what, Barnes, Hurdle. What's Toronto giving up? OG? OG, Chris, uh, Bush. I don't know. How, how do you say his last name? Boucher? Boucher? Boucher. I think it's Boucher. Bobby Boucher. Yeah, yes. Boucher, yeah. then Otto Porter to salary fill it with three or four first-round picks, however you want to do that. But yeah. I don't think that'll happen, but I, I think that would be a fun trade idea to see Dame on there. Toronto's – the first-year head coach, like you said, could be a problem, but Toronto – I feel like it's kind of like a Blazers organization. They're mm-hmm. very loyal to their players. You know, everyone seems to like the culture. Yeah. But the Raptors, the Raptors do have more of a winning culture as an org. Not yeah. of late, not not as a whole franchise, but of late, of late they're kind of yeah. known as like with uh, with Usai Mejri as the, the GM there. They're kind of known as a great organization. So that's also where I think, depending sure. on what happens with the Heat, that Dame is really going to want to go somewhere where he is going to have upper ma- upper level top tier management coaching and teammates that want to win not just you know what could be he's going to want almost for sure is wherever he's going i think mm-hmm. yeah, if i'm if i'm portland and toronto's calling me i'm i'm interested i'm getting scotty barnes i'm i'm saying Somehow. you got to give me scotty barnes which is no deal kind of like how that's mm-hmm. like they're saying with philly like it's got to be maxi or nothing i'm like mm-hmm. you gotta give me scotty barnes which, I mean, I could see Toronto talking themselves into, like, Scotty Barnes wouldn't fit their timeline if they got Dame. OG, Pascal, Pirtle, Gary Trent fits their timeline better. And if I'm Portland, I'm like, you give me Scotty Barnes, two first-round picks, done deal. Boom. Mm-hmm. I think that could be the making of a fucking hell of a team in Portland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we got you? You can still swap Nurkic and Jeremy Grant. Oh, I kind of fucking forgot. Trading Jeremy Grant is going to be hard, but after yeah, that, I kind of forgot it. I kind of forgot about Anthony Anthony Simmons or Simons. Yeah. Honestly, he's, I, he's he is fucking good too. So I mean, even dude, big in that mega trade. I was referring the to the mega trade. Drunk. They would have made the deal by now if they won. Team involved because they're not going to do it. They, they don't want a hero to be the best. So. Yeah, I think they – yeah, I, Raptors are a little sneaky little – Can you all hear me? Now. Yeah. yeah, I can hear you. Okay, it keeps lagging out. Oh, shit. Oh, there you go. You're back. Okay. Jesus Christ, it's lagging out bad. No, it lagged out again. Okay. Well, beyond Dame, beyond Dame, let's let's touch on James Harden. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, do you have one more? Do you have one more? Mm-hmm. I, got, I got my Sixers trade, baby. Okay, let's hear it. This is, and this one, this has James Harden. And I'm prefacing this. If I'm Philadelphia and I'm in the position right now, I'm going to figure out a way to make a three-team deal between the Clippers, the Sixers, and the Trailblazers with James Harden being the centerpiece of my package. 
Like I, I'm going to do everything in my power because if I'm sending Harden out, I don't need to send Maxi out. Like the, the gap, I mean, Dame is better than Harden. The gap is not that big. Like I don't need to, I don't need to trade Harden for pieces and then trade Maxi for Dame. If I'm Daryl Morey, I'm sitting down, I'm like, I'm fucking figuring this out. I can trade Dame, get, get LA to send assets to Portland and we can make the deal that way. So this mm-hmm. is the deal I came up with. Sixers are sending out Tobias Harris. They're sending out, they only have one first round pick to trade. They're sending out Tobias Harris, um, one first round pick, four second round picks, and four pick, four first round pick swaps. Actually, oh no, I'm sorry, they're sending Harden too. Never mind. So they're sending Tobias Harden, um, a first, four seconds, two first round pick swaps. Harden is going to the Clippers. Everything else is going to Portland. So Tobias, a first, three seconds, and two first-round pick swaps are going to Portland. Clippers are getting Harden and Yosef Nurkic. And then Clippers, man, and Bones Highland, and a 2028 first-round pick. Also, they're sending Portland Marcus Morris. And they're getting back Harden and Nurkic to go with Kawhi, CP, and Nor- and all their other you know pieces or whatever. So Portland in total gets Tobias Harris, Norman Powell, Zubach, Terrence Mann, Bones Highland, a first-round pick in 2028 from Clippers, first-round pick from Philly in 2029, and then four seconds and two first-pick swaps. Philly's getting... Dame, Marcus Morris, and Ben McLemore. Clippers are getting hard in a Nurkic. What do you think? I just think that Portland's. Is... I just think Portland's gonna want more picks. Well, the, yeah. I feel like if Portland's getting Tobias and Norman Powell, I feel like you can flip that into three more firsts. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get a lot. Yeah. Tobias is on and... a contract. Norman Powell's a good player. I just think Tobias is tough, though, because you're going to have to match that 40 mil he's making with another team, and there's really not that many God, avenues I, to be well, able to flip him. Yeah. But, I mean, th- th- there's already teams calling Philly about, mm-hmm. about Tobias. I mean, Cleveland's calling about him. You could make a deal with Cleveland. You could do Jared Allen. You could do a couple first-round picks. Like, you, like and, and that's how I prefaced this was, like, if you're, if you're Portland, this isn't the last move. But you're doing this because you get – Actually, I have three first-round picks. LA, LA is sending out two unprotected first-round picks, 20, 2028 and 2030. So they're getting three unprotected firsts, and they're getting two first pick swaps. Okay. And that the, the Clippers picks the players. The Clippers picks kind of become enticing in case they aren't able to do something very competitive soon because they may oh, blow dude, the whole fucking regardless. Dude, yeah, they're 2028 they may... and 2030. Mm-hmm. They may, they, they may the next two years. They're going to suck dick by then. I mean, exactly. Yeah, they be... would if they don't. If shit doesn't happen, they're gonna they're gonna blow it the fuck up because they have to because that yeah. there's so much money invested. You just have to blow it up and try and get your money back, basically, in a way. So, I, I mean, I like it because of the fits and the needs. It's definitely would be one of the more higher. I mean, this Dame trade would obviously be one of the bigger blockbuster trades in NBA history, obviously, first off. But this would definitely be one of the higher, like, I would say, caliber player trades you'll see because you're getting 
three for sure. Maybe, I mean, Norman Powell's, I would say, is a starter in this league. So, I mean, you're getting four starters Zubox. in that trade. I mean, Zubox. Yeah, five, five. You're getting – you honestly, you could build a team off of the guys you're trading away if you just yeah. wanted to make a team off of those guys alone. So, I mean, I like it because there's definitely value in the players. I think it just ultimately comes down to what the Sixers want to do because I think there's this weird still part of the Sixers, even though obviously they've shown they want to win now more, there's still this like looming cloud of like the trust the process bullshit they had for a while. And I think that's kind of still in the building a little bit to this day for some reason. And I think, I think until they're, I think the getting of Dame is really going to be the, Fuck the process. The process is over. We're going to win fucking now. If they and get Dame, it's the end all be all. There is exactly. no more to lose. If, if it mm-hmm. fucks up with Dame, the process is done. Done. It's yeah. Done. Dame's over. Gone. And mm-hmm. I heard, and like, I wouldn't, I think, I think Philly could make a deal around Maxi and just do a, you don't need a third team. Say, say. Maxi. And I think if it comes to Philly, that's what's going to end up happening because I, I think Philly's looking at it like Embiid turns 30 this year. Embiid is a exactly. seven foot, almost 280 pound big man who With gets the injury history. He has about three more years left before he goes like Phoenix Shack mode. Like, really? Like, he's got about three years and then he's probably cooked. So, like, Maxi's great. Mm-hmm. And I would be trying to keep Maxi, but you could convince yourself like our Embiid window is probably two more seasons. Yeah, like fuck the process. Now, and we got to win now. Because once Embiid turns 33, I mean, his body's going to break down. He's, I mean, he's broken down so much. I could see them convincing themselves. Yeah, that was going to be my next point, too, was that the Embiid, big guys in the NBA are, they do not last as long as other positions in the league. So you, you, I like, I mean, I get that you want to keep Maxi, but at the same time, that kind of sticks with the trust the process idea. And it's like, kind of fuck that like y'all need to win now like you're you're gonna lose what is an mvp caliber player playing alongside dame just so you can develop maxi which yeah it'd be great to keep him but if you can get dame and give away maxi and somehow get rid of that fucking Tobias harris contract i think that's a win and that's a total like all right fuck the process we're over we're winning right fucking now and we're back in this shit and then you can actually capitalize on the window if it sucks in three years, Dame will be on the last. We'll have one more year left on his contract. Hopefully, he's still really fucking good by the time Embiid's, you know, coming out of his prime. But I think they just kind of need to say, fuck the process. Let's go get it. If we need to give up Maxi, fuck it. Let's do it. Portland, they'll have the assets to make him great. But honestly, I think I would rather have Dame than Tyrese Maxi any day. Well, and, and, and that's what I try to do with this trade. Like, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm already trading Harden, I'll just get Tobias out too, and I can keep Maxi. Yeah. And they're getting, they, I mean, they get Marcus Morris back, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I have Dame, Maxi, and Embiid, I'm set. And I feel like if you're trading Harden, I feel like you could facilitate a deal with the with Portland and LA. Yeah. To make a deal together. Honestly, with the trade I created, now looking at it, I think the Clippers would probably say no. I know they're getting Harden and Nurkic, but in total, the Clippers are giving up Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, Zubach, Terrence Mann. Bones Highland and two unprotected future firsts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. that's worth Harden or Nurkic, but I could also see the Clippers convincing themselves like it we, is. Yeah, we fucked ourselves. We either dig out and we blow it up, or we fucking double down and go all in. Which Steve Ballmer mm-hmm. kind of seems like he wants to fucking do. So I could. I see- think he's. 
over yeah, he kind of seems like that and doing it like that. And you also get Nurkic too, which I mean, with Paul George and Kawhi, your defense is going to be fine. You can afford to have a defensive liability at center. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, it's spicy, but I think yeah, I would probably if, if I were to do like an order of the top contenders, obviously for Dame, it would be the Heat. Two, I would have the Sixers. Three, I would have the Raptors. That would be my top three of like the yeah. teams to go I'm after. Just, honestly, well, Boston's lurking. Boston is Boston lurking. Is I just lurking. wonder. And they, I guess they have picks still. For They'd have to games. trade Jalen Brown. J- yeah, it would have to be Jalen yeah. Brown. There's no them. way else to do it. You have mm-hmm. to trade him, which mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, it's gonna, I think it's going to be the Heat or the Sixers. I, I don't think they're mm-hmm. not – I don't think they're going to trade him to the Timberwolves. I don't think they're trading him to Utah. They're not trading him to Yeah. Sixers. I think it's going to be it, – I mean, I could see it being Boston if they say we'll give you Jalen Brown because if they're giving him Jalen Brown, Portland's accepting that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they'll be like, tough shit. Like, I- I'm sorry you don't want to go to Boston, but you can go play Nick Sla- alongside Jason Tatum's along alongside Jason Tatum for the Celtics, like the most historic franchise ever. Yes. Another but we're not doing you that dirty. Yeah. Like, we're not doing you that dirty. Like, mm-hmm. go to Boston. Like, tough shit. Yep. Like, Another you- set uh, organization. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. not going to Utah or San Antonio, but mm-hmm. I- no. it- it's going to be those top three teams in the in the East. It's going to be one of them. Yeah. Well, beyond that, uh, James Harden, Pascal Siakam, two more names looming on trade talks. What do y'all feel there? Spicy P becomes interesting depending on what the Raptors want to do. If they want to go after and get that star player, I think you have to give up Spicy P, mainly because he, it feels, I said he was a younger player earlier, but that's only because he's been in the league for not that long, actually. But he's not really a young player anymore. I'd say he's kind of riding his prime right now. Um, and then if they want to, there are a couple guys on the Clippers named Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that I think are very enticing if I'm the Toronto Raptors being one superstar away. I think Paul George is honestly the perfect fit for them to trade back if they can. I know having Kawhi would obviously be the better story, you know, making its return, won the championship there. But I would – I mean, I sometimes I – like Paul George more than Kawhi Leonard. And then sometimes I like Kawhi Leonard more than Paul George, but you get Paul George the reins and let him be the guy. He is pretty fucking good. And we saw that in that year in Oklahoma city where he was a MVP candidate. So um, I, I kind of like the Clippers doing something with the old spicy P if they're thinking about it. Yeah. My thing with Pat, I think Pascal stays put. I mean, he already said that any team that trades for him, he's not going to restine that he wants to stay in Toronto. And I think Toronto like we said, they're a loyal organization. Mm-hmm. I don't – if some team offers the farm for them, they're going to have their hands tied behind their back. They're right. going to have to take a deal. But I think if you're any other team in the league, you already have this information that Pascal is literally saying, I'm not going to resign here. And that might change. You know, he might love mm-hmm. whatever team he goes to, the right. players, the, the culture, and all that. But or if maybe I'm a, the Raptors, if, like, get shitty all of a sudden. But yeah, but if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm a team, I'm not going to trade the farm for – Pascal, I would make a trade for him. I wouldn't trade the farm though, just because there's exactly. a very good chance he's a one-year rental. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's the same thing with Harden too. I feel like there's only the Harden has no market other than the Clippers. So it, I, I really think it's Clippers or back to the Sixers if they miss out on Dan. Like I, I don't see. And what are the other, what do the Clippers even have to give up for Harden? They would give up kind of the same package. They would do the Norman Powell, Zubach, Terrence Mann. Bonehound, yeah. which actually, I mean, I think that could be, 
I think that could be a good thing for the Those aren't bad players at all. And it could elevate Maxi into a bigger role, which I think they need. It puts Maxi in the second star role, which is where he really belongs, where he needs to be. You need to see it. And we need to see him if he can excel in that role. And you, I mean, Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, maybe Nicholas Batum, like that's, you're deep all of a sudden. You're really deep. And Norman Powell, we saw it. He can give you 25 a game. Obviously, I don't know if you're better, but I think you're better positioned for the future. You have tradable assets. You probably get a first round pick in there. But I, I don't see anywhere else Harden goes other than the Clippers. Yeah, there, I don't think there's another market. No, it's a very yeah. it's a very slim market out here. And him. he said um he said he's not really interested in going back to Houston because of the the Jalen Green Paul George thing and what he had yeah, to Yeah, I say. think the, I think after Van Vliet the Houston things wrapped. No. Yeah, hard. that's a that's kind of Jenga there, so. Yeah. All I'd right, be well, pissed if we give up Jalen Green to get Harden. That would be bullshit, but All right. Well, Big E, let's let's hear your power forward list, bud. All righty. So, I did a top 10 power forward list and some of these guys y'all may think are small forwards. I have them in there as well because they are listed as a power forward or they start at power forward for their team potentially. Um, so with that, I'm going to go from start with my honorable mentions. Um, depending on how you look at it, I didn't know what the position to put him at. Um, I had Scotty Barnes because a lot of sites, they had him as a power forward. Um, so I had him as my honorable mention at 13. At 12, I had Jeremy Grant. He just got a big bag. And I think that, I think it obviously, you know, money's been flying around and Rich Paul helps with those contracts, but he is a, he is about as much as a typical. Yes. Yeah. So he was a part of the big, the big Rich Paul spree. So um, with that being said, I think Jeremy Grant, he's a hell of a player there at number 12 and then a number 11. I really hated this, but I can't really deny it because of this. Some of this has to do with legacy still. I had Draymond there just because I've, he still has a – clearly he had a high value, obviously, still, and another Rich Paul deal. Um, so, with all that being said, um, you know, getting into the top ten, I got Evan Mobley, Bancaro, Markinen, Siakam, Jackson, Randall, Zion, AD, KD, and big old mean motherfucking Giannis. Um, we can – well, y'all let me know what y'all think about there. Can but... you go back through eight through four? Yeah, sorry, a little too fast. Gotcha. So eight through four would be Markinen, Siakam, Jackson Jr. J- wait, JJJ? Yeah. Gotcha. Randall. Yep. And Zion. Did you list uh, Sabonis as a power forward or no? I had him as a center because he is the starting center on the Kings, but okay. he was kind of, that's what I know. You know, some people could consider him power forward. I kind of consider him a center because he's the, the, the paint presence for them. So, so you had, you had Giannis, KD, AD is your top three, right? Mm-hmm. And who'd you, and yep. you had Zion at four. Zion at four. I know there's, and then you had Randall some questions there. You had Randall at five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jaron Jackson, Siakam, and Markinen. Yep. And yep. who was yep. your nine and ten? Nine and ten, Bancaro and Mobley. And honest okay. to God, there's a chance by the end of this season, Paolo Bancaro is ahead of Julius Randle at number five, depending on how he develops. There's, there's a chance he's at number four. Did you not yeah. have Aaron Gordon in your honorable mention or anything? So I thought about it there, but honestly, my main thing with him is that I just – in terms of the legacy, I felt like this was kind of his first real come out year. And 
I just, I don't love Draymond, but I can't really hate. I kind of have to respect him at the same time because he, he has a clear value in this league. And I think that's just very rare to have his type of player. So he was in my honorable mention. And I would say for probably the past five years, he's usually in that top 10. Um, so I don't think he's fallen off a cliff. Um, he's just, you know, definitely not as talented as these guys, but in terms of being a top tier player and performing the NBA, I got I got to pay some respect to him there. Yeah, I would have my list kind of similar. I would have Siakam ahead of Julius Randall. I just yeah, think Siakam gives you a lot more defensively um, as a yeah, scorer. I, I think they're almost the same. Julius Randall's a better playmaker. I just don't really like Julius Randall as a player. Like in the playoffs too, we just saw him take yeah, so many stupid shots. Like if if Randall is really trying to play his game right. He's good, but I think he a lot of time he just wants to settle for these mid range jumpers, which he mm-hmm. just he's not great at. And is is Randall great at defense? I don't, I really don't know. He's, he's not. He's like a Jokic. Yeah. So he's yeah. He's strong. Pretty much. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna bot move him around super easily, but he's also not gonna be like a a paint presence. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I don't really have any problem. I I would have Siakam a little bit higher. Um. Mm. Beyond that, I mean, I would kind of have it around the same type of deal. Yeah. Jaron Jackson, I mean, I was thinking about switching JJJ and Julius Randle for a little bit. Um, I just, I don't know, part of me thinks like a, if Julius Randle and Jaron, JJJ played one-on-one together, if I had the best version of each other, I kind of think Julian Randle will win because he has more of like a bag and a package to his game. Uh, but that's also, <laughs> I have a thing too, which keep in mind with, power forwards that are playmakers that can dribble and create so i kind of value that ahead of anything for power forwards honestly and so that's probably why you have i have draymond in there is because he does much more than your typical power forward would um also but then with that being said i love playmaking big men who can dribble and pass a little bit so pretty much my entire one other than ad is not really a passer by any means and Zion, that's a whole nother subject, but if he if he's right when he's good to go, yeah, Zion's fucking smart. Yeah. yeah, I think Zion's one you could have him at four, you could have him at like eight or nine. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, you value uh, potential or what? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm getting if I'm getting two seed Pelicans, I like Zion at four. That's for sure. I think I would still have Draymond in there over. I I don't think Paulo deserves to be in there yet. Paulo was awesome. He deserved Rookie of the Year. He was inefficient as hell. Mm-hmm. And he was on a shitty-ass team. I mean, actually, the Magic weren't terrible. He was on a shitty team. I think I, I think Draymond deserves to be in there over Paulo. I, I'm Paulo's still a rookie. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. I think Paulo could be five at the end of the next yeah. year. I think Mobley could be five, too. Mm-hmm. Only thing is I'd probably have Siakam over Randall and Jaron Jackson. Mm-hmm. Although Jaron Jackson is so damn good at defense that I know, yeah. And Randall's and Randall's a better offensive player. I think Siakam's kind of the mix of both. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I said. Like with Paolo, I really like the playmaking big guy that can do a lot more than just be a big man down there. That's you know three and D stretch four. Um, Paolo is fucking filthy, so that's why I kind of put him in the top ten. Is that I he could cook all, maybe not all of them but he could cook most of these guys in the top 10 in a one-on-one game. And I kind of respect the fuck out of that being a power forward. So that's why I got him in there. Draymond, that's, he was number 11 for a reason. I mean, I almost put him ahead of Mobley there um, because he also does so much, but Mobley is a motherfucker on defense and he 
his his upside was definitely part of me playing him in there. But he is if if he had to just be the guy on a team, I think he easily could. He just doesn't really have to be on that Cleveland team. So I'm kind of playing a little respect to him. I'm, I'm still waiting on Mobley. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I think Mobley's amazing. I think he's one mm-hmm. of the best pieces in the league. Right. But he needs to develop offensively. I mean, he's great. Mm-hmm. He can give me 14, 15, but I think we're all expecting Mobley to be like exactly. Tim Duncan level player. Like, mm-hmm. we're expecting him to be a 22, 12, three block a game guy for his career. Yep. Exactly. I think we're still waiting on that. But I, I do think that's still going to happen. So once that happens, Mm-hmm. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna pull that. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. Like by the time the season starts, I mean, you could easily see Lowry Markin and him. Who, if he gets better from last year, I mean, he's gonna have to jump yeah. Julius Randle, Pat, Spicy P, and Jared Jack. Yeah, I mean, if if he gets better off of last year, or if if he has the same year, I think he's still a top ten guy on my list, regardless. But I mean, he was an all star. But I mean, honestly, he has. I would say the bottom three of that list easily depending on how the season goes and starts easily could all get in right there behind ad and in any fucking order really those three i mean you could i kind of flipped those three other than marketing giving him the all-star kudos sticking sticking in front of mobley and bancaro but um but yeah that's um i just love a playmaking big guy so that's kind of what i did a little bit of my ranking base off was having big guys that can do things that not a lot of other big guys or fours are doing other than just like hunkering in the paint and shooting the occasional three of them. I like some dynamicness to my, my power forwards in the top 10. Dynamicness. Love it. Yes, sir. Can't go against sheer dominance, though, baby. <laughs> AD, That's true. Giannis, come on. I know. They're just, they're just quick good. Good. All good. But, yeah, KD, obviously, I mean, I, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, KD, AD, like, depending on what yeah. you look at. But, I I like I said, I respect the playmaking ability so that's why i got KD. He's just more skilled right. obviously you want to you want to run through your top 10 real quick just a quick hitter real quick yeah so number 10 we got mobley number nine we got bancaro eight marketing seven siakam six jj or jackson jr five randall four zion three ad two kd one Giannis. Beautiful. You can't really argue with Zonis much. That was pretty no. No, I don't one. think. Yeah, I, yeah. The top three are for sure. If it was Blacktop, he'd be my center. But this isn't Blacktop, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah, and I it, AD might be listed as center on I, a lot of these websites too. Are you know they'll have them as power forwards or centers. I actually kind of used up. I used two K so. to help me because two K is kind of on point with their positions. Did they you? have guys in. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, okay, let me just look at the two K like where what they're at in two K. So I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I yeah, I just go by whatever ESPN is. I just go by that. Mm-hmm. Dude, but it's fucked. Like ESPN will have uh, AD as a power forward, and then like NBA will say he's a center. Yeah, Sabonis so was flip flopping on all of them. Yeah, so sometimes it's just hard to like actually to to identify them as what they are. Mm-hmm. But so I'll, I'll hop into my center list real quick. So for my honorable mentions, I have Jared Allen, uh, Walker Kessler, Jacob Hurdle. Wendell Carter Jr., Honus Valanciunas, Alperin Sengun, and Robert Williams. That's no particular order. That's just the honorable mention. And then for my top 10 center list, at 10, I have DeAndre Ayton. At number 9, I have Rudy Gobert. 8, Nick Claxton. 7, Miles Turner. 6, Brooke Lopez. 5, Cat. Four KP, 
Three, Bam. Two, Embiid. One, the Joker. I'm going to assume defense was why Claxton was on there, right? Wait, where was Claxton? I think he had eight. Do you want me to run through that again? No, uh, I just need ten. Ten, Aiden. Okay. Okay, hang on real quick. Just because we had the Turner-Aiden debate earlier, why is Turner over Aiden? <laughs> because I like the fact he can stretch the floor and Aiden can't. Right. I mean, Aiden's got much better interior post-game. I, I think offensively Aiden's better. But I, I, I just like the fact that, that Turner, we could you, I could have him on the three-point line if I have good guys around him getting him open looks. And I, yeah. he's a reliable knockdown shooter for me. He can hit those shots. Store Aiden, he really can't stretch the floor. You can Wait, leave him the, wide open on the three. Did you What's not have I had him as a power forward. So okay. he would definitely be in there. if. Bro, KP sneaking in at four, huh? Yeah, KP, that? KP might be high at four on a lot of lists. But, I mean, dude, like the thing with KP, if he's healthy, I mean, he's a, he's a better Miles Turner if he's healthy. And, I mean – yeah, he's not going to be that lockdown rim protector, but he's going to get a lot of blocks. He's going to make splash plays, and he's going to shoot almost 40% from three, and he's going to get you boards. So, I'm not a fan of the Miles Turner analogy, but I've already gone through How that. do y'all feel about Brooke Lopez at six? I, I honestly, I might. I like one. I like KP over Carl Anthony Towns. I almost would have Brooke Lopez over Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could understand. I think <laughs> fit-wise, Brooke Lopez is a – phenomenal fit pretty much anywhere but with cat i just cat's offensive bag is i think he just offers a lot more okay wait why is claxton why is claxton at eight because i like claxton as a pick and roll guy and he was i think he got second in defensive player of the year no he was up there no it was brooke lopez jaron jackson and evan mobley were top three brooke lopez finished second i think mobley finished third I was wondering. Okay, yeah, you're right. He wasn't second or third, but I might have Claxton high. I I just like I think Claxton. <laughs> he doesn't offer anything stretching the floor, but you're getting a great defender and you're getting good rebounding and still an offensive third. I may have Claxton a little bit high. I just I don't like Claxton doesn't do anything offensively other than dunk. Like he he can't do. I mean, like he has no mid range, yeah. no post game. Like I mean, I have him as an honorable mention. I know, I know. Everyone forgets forgets about Valanciunas. Valanciunas can give you twenty and ten, like efficiently. And Aiden, I think Aiden can too. Yeah, my Aiden. I think I think I think, I think Aiden high. very well could be higher. It's just I feel like there's just so much unknown with DeAndre Aiden right now, to where I don't really know where to put him. Yeah, I, my really only issue is Claxton. Same here. How do y'all yeah. feel about Rudy at nine? I mean, I don't. I don't. Even, like Rudy off the rest. I don't even care. Yeah, I would have been okay with you leaving him off, but I'm not. I don't hate putting him on there because I. I have a feeling you probably value defense a lot with your centers. I'm guessing, right? Like yeah. with how you rate them. Yeah. yeah, that's how I was like. I I put like playmaking ahead of something. So I yeah, I mean, if we're defense going off, and rebounding a ton. Okay, so yeah, if that's the case, then I I don't mind that at all because that's pretty much all he fucking does is defense and rebound. Um, so that, I don't, I don't mind that at all. I know he gets a lot of hate just because of like the situation, but. And I think his fits was, just tear. Like if this was last yeah. year, Rudy would probably be like fit higher. Probably. Yeah. yeah I think I it's his fit in Minnesota. It definitely diminishes his value and his, 
his you know name. Um, but yeah, I agree. Claxton probably is a little bit high on this list. Mm-hmm. Do y'all like KP at four? Do y'all think I have KP too high? I would have flipped Cat and KP to be honest, but I I don't dislike KP at four. I just would have switched. Carl Anthony Towns, so I don't have a problem. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I know not a lot of people love Cat, and he just say some questionable shit at all, very often. Uh, but he he that motherfucker can do some very dynamic things from the center position that are very rare, and obviously KP can too. But KP, I don't know. I feel KP can kind of do the same thing. Yeah, right. That's why I'm. I know KP can too. That's why they're very close to me. But I I felt <clears> like <throat> if I were to just feed someone once a game and have them one be a go to guy. I think I would rather have it be Car Anthony Towns with his skill set than have KP be my, you know, go-to center, if that makes sense. I think the top three, I think this is probably the easiest top three. So easy. So easy. Jokic and Bead band. Like, I don't think... Point guard is hard as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, my really only issue is Claxton. Yeah, I would have maybe... Honestly, I think Walker Kessler is just as good as Claxton. Like they they, they yeah. do this. That's why I had I had him as an honorable mention. No, yeah, I, I couldn't put him in the top ten. He only averaged nine points a game last year. Well, he only started for half the season, and when he started, he averaged like 12, 11, and two blocks, and yeah. he can shoot the ball. Like I I, I don't think he, sh- he can shoot. He was yeah he sh- he can shoot a little bit. Like he's not gonna shoot pull ups, but like if you kick it to the corner and he's wide open, he can shoot it. He's not like DeAndre Aiden or. Claxton or Gobert. I think a sneaky top 10 one, just depending on how you rate guys like Gobert or Aiden or Vucevic or Claxton, depending on where you look at it. When this guy is really on his shit and actually healthy and ready to go, Robert Williams is pretty fucking good too. So yeah, I think a healthy Robert Williams would be in the top 10. He's just never I, healthy. I, he's never healthy. So I would, he'd definitely be an honorable mention for me, but I mean, who would you if he's healthy. I would What's have that? Robert Williams. I'd probably have Robert Williams over Gobert. Honestly, I'd rather have Robert Williams than Gobert. Like a like prime, like ready to go, healthy Robert Williams. Dude, he's really fucking good. Like he all I like him more than Gobert. That also has to do with Gobert just being in a really shitty situation. I mean, prime Robert Williams is still like nine points, nine rebounds, and like two blocks. But the he's but great. the defense, the defense, the defense though, is yeah, but it's yeah, not that's. Like- it's not like prime Robert Williams is like fourteen and fourteen. Like he's no, he, I he's I agree. Like six eight. Like I feel like Jokic. Mm-hmm. If you got Jokic and beat against Robert Williams, I think they'd bully him. I think he's just too small. Well, I think the thing with Will Rob. Rob Will too is he he can go out on the perimeter too, to where a lot of these guys just yeah. can't. That's one of the things he, with Claxton he, too yeah. is Claxton's a lot quicker than a lot of these guys. To where if you have a if you have a you know a pick set and he's got to switch over to someone, Claxton yeah. can help you out a little bit. On the That's perimeter. why I kind of like Williams more than Gobert is because I because of the switching ability. That's Gobert like can't do that. So no. That's but, yeah, yeah. Gobert I mean, Gobert's definitely a, a fit guy and with. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's just terrible. Very but, shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll run through this one again real quick. So, my top 10 centers, and then it goes as follows. At number 10, I have DeAndre Ayton. Nine, Rudy Gobert. Eight, Nick Claxton. Seven, Miles Turner. Six, Brooke Lopez. Five, Cat. Four, KP. Three, Bam Adebayo. Two, Embiid. And one, the Joker. All right, Buzzsaw, you got your top 10 prime list? Do we have anything oh. else? Do we have anything else after this? 
we have I have one fun question that'll probably last two. All right, let's do the fun question. I want to save this. Okay, so that, that's fine. I, I got. I'm gonna stay on like ten more minutes, but okay, I, I, I want to like because I think this the my list like I think we could talk about it for like forty five. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to the fun question. All right, so <laughs> I feel like I always like doing humans versus animals in these. Oh, we're doing another fight. Another fight. This one's oh, a fight fuck, to the death. Yes. Oh fuck yeah. You have five prime juiced up ready to go. Brock Lesnar's versus a tiger. Who wins the fight to the and the Brock Lesnar's keep in mind too. They're not just like normal human Brock Lesnar's. These Brock Lesnar's are like rabies infested, like, like animal. UFC champion like, Brock Lesnar. Yes. Like fight or flight mindset. They're trying to kill. Who's winning the five Lesnar's or the tiger. You want to go first, Bez? You want me to go? Oh, I, I got to answer this yeah, one. Brock, Brock Lesnar's. You think the five Lesnar's? Outweigh, they outweigh the tiger by like combined. They outweigh the tiger by like a thousand pounds. Because the tiger is like what five hundred pounds? Yeah, five hundred pounds. Lesnar's like two fifty, two. Yeah. So I mean, you just have a weight advantage. I mean, it's it's like a pack of lions taking down a water buffalo. Here's here's my question: Is the tiger cornered, or are you just in the fucking jungle with five Brock Lesnar's and you don't know where the tiger you're you're is? you're in an open field? You're in like an open just. Big plot in of grass. Open land. field. So just a huge plot of land with one huge fucking tiger. Plot of land, yep. Well, I okay, they're, they're well, not this depends on the Brock Lesnar strategy. If you go That's what I'm thinking. if you go back to back and you're in a circle, you're gonna stay together. Obviously, if you spread out, the tiger is gonna rip you apart. Yeah, and so they're all the yeah. same Lesnar, so they can coordinate in their mind. Like they have, hive, they have like a hive mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mega so, man. Yeah. Yeah, so they're like a it's like a pack of coyotes. It's like they yeah. all they all Mega know their man. role, how they need to attack. Like one or two of the Lesners is gonna get killed for sure. But yeah. you would hope Someone's that I think that's too many Lesners. You think five Lesners is too many? I, I, I think they'd overpower. What do you think? think so, three, what do you think the threshold is three? Three. Three makes it spicy. Even match. Yeah. Three is even. Three. So you are taking right. five Lesners though? Yeah. But if if it if they're in the jungle and it's just five Lesners, but you have no idea where the tiger is, I'm taking. The oh tiger yeah, because then that's so they, the tiger's home core. They don't even they roar silently. You don't hear them roar. They roar Wait, silently. Do they have does does the Lesners have any weapons? Brass nope. knuckles? No, just fists. Fists. no, they just have yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like Dude, UFC, UFC, ready to go, Lesners. No weapons, no knives. And it's a knuckles. fight to the death. Like the tiger's gonna just keep coming and coming and coming. Yep. They no could let, squeeze the no tiger less, hard the enough. The How Lesnar's do they still... kill the tiger? Choke that, it. That's choke the it question. I mean, that, that's like, you but even it. like Lesnar, even if Lesnar, like, if to get around the neck, because only one Lesnar could fit around the neck of a tiger. You couldn't have like two or ah, three all choking them, it. You could have three of them pinning him down, and two of them just fucking hammering. I mean, yeah. you'd eventually fucking bust its skull. Like, but would you think that? T- I feel like the tiger's strength, though, could overtake a few Lesnar's holding it down. Or a think about the, gonna catch the a speed. Well, the speed of the tiger. So the tiger, I think, is darting Fast at one of fuck. them immediately, and that one's probably yes. dead in a in a very quickly. But then the mm-hmm. other four are gonna migrate, obviously, to the lion, and use all of their grapple skills on the tiger. So then that, I think the so threshold's then, four. I think now. after the one less, because the, the one one of them's taking a bullet. Like one of them's gonna die for sure. Well, I think you it depends all, on how the other four strategize to, to take it down. All five of them have to go back to back, like in a circle, because it's gonna come out of the because it's in an open field, so it's gonna come out of the 
grass and attack. So you have to be in an open circle. It hits one, the other four immediately jump on it. I think three could overpower it. And then you have one just fucking laying wood on him and one the dead. strength of a tiger. I think it, I think the threshold may need to be four because the one guy's going to get taken out. Somebody's yeah. going to have to be the first one on the scene after the first guy's already well, fucking I don't dead. Know if one gets taken out though, because let's say it jumps at the group and they're all huddled up. Yes, it'll yeah. like it'll more go on one, but as soon as the other four like descend on it, it's not gonna keep like it's not gonna be able to like bite down on that one guy's neck and let the other four just like they line up in the so, eye so formation. This, that tiger. So yeah, this this says a tiger is strong as at least five adult humans. So obviously, oh, one well, Lesnar, like one le- is like three. Yeah, like three or four. Yeah, one Lesnar is like three adults. But the tiger, the tiger's <laughs> definitely gonna use its its speed and agility in this scenario. Yeah, yeah, but obviously if, if, if the Lesnars are smart though, they won't let them get. They won't let each other get picked off one by one. Like if you stay mm-hmm. in a in a solid. Yeah, group, they're, they're going to impact mentality. Yeah, but they have to stay like in. A, I mean, like even if they're like five feet apart from each other, the lion can just or the tiger could come in. Boom, one gone. And My thing though is like even if like one gets smaller than the full, like let's say a few of them are on the tiger. Well, the, the thing though, Lesnar too also. He knows every lock out there, grapple moves and all that. What is what what has grappling? All, what has grappling be able to? Even a few of them would a few of their grappling so be able to hold the tiger down to where the others can get shots off. Well, you know what? They, I mean, it, they they could break a tiger's arm. Yeah, and then at that point it's yeah, done. You have four of them on him, and one of them just starts. That's how. That's how they would have limbs. to do it. They would have to break a like a leg Jesus. or an arm of the tiger because the tiger breaks limbs, and then the tiger can't <laughs> run at you. Yeah, that's how they, they would have to do it that way because I don't think they could just hold it down and then just punch the tiger. Just like, Brock think, Lesner, just a bunch of Brock Lesnar front knee kicks. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Luke. I, I think they, they got to they got to break a limb. They they break a limb of the tiger and then the tiger cannot use its speed and agility to yeah. maneuver. Yeah, and then at yeah. that point, or they it's, it's Lesnar. Or they takeover. blind the tiger and they can't see it. I don't know somehow. They oh blind yeah, go the for, go for the eyes. Yeah, just go for the eyes. Just little finger. Little... Well, because the tiger, be like the tiger has like the like... claws too, to where even if they like have his neck or whatever, the tiger's gonna just claw the yeah. absolute shit on. That's gonna but, make him probably let yeah. go. You know. I think you're it's losing. Like, for it's sure like it's like touching. People. It's like touching a you know a hot skillet. You know, with that tiger mm-hmm. claw, like you're you're backing off, even if you are a possessed Lesnar. Yeah, I think you're losing two for sure. But. I I think I would go with the Lesners, the five Lesners. I I think that's too many. I think it's just not. I think, I think four is the fresh the threshold. I think three the tiger wins. I think uh, yeah. three the tiger wins too. Mm-hmm. No, I think if it's just an average human, I think you need like probably eight. like I think you need more than eight. Because I think Lesnar yeah. is such a I think Lesnar's like the ideal person to take on a tiger. The ideal opponent. <laughs> yeah, like if you're picking a human. Like one of the biggest heavyweights out there in the world, like yeah. one of the most dominant ever. But give me, yeah. actually, if you give me if you give me three. No, no, I was gonna say three. John Jones. I just don't I think I don't know if John Jones has. I don't know if they have the strength. Lesnar weighs two ninety. Because Brock Lesnar's only like six three, six four. He's six yeah, three, two ninety. 
Oh my fuck! Just John pure Jones, muscle. I mean, John Jones is six seven. He probably John Jones probably walks around at two. John Jones could choke it out. John Jones could choke the tiger out. It's got John long Jones. enough arms. John Jones is six four two fifty. But he got I, fucking crazy. I'd long probably legs. rather have Lesnar than Jones though, just because of that extra forty pounds he has on. I think you'd need six John Joneses, but it would only take one John Jones to choke out. It actually take two John Jones to cut to choke out the tiger. But I don't know how two would choke it at the same time. One know? with the leg, I double legs. I I like agree with Luke. So I I think you got it. You got you got to break a bone of the. You got to break a leg or an arm. You do yeah, that, and the tiger the tiger is immobilized. He can't run and maneuver. If you take out its limb, then it can't like run at you, and then you can just yeah. Then you just tee off on till it's till it's game over. Yeah. All right, ladies. Well, that that's a good one to wrap it up on. Good work. All right. Well, that's episode 25 of Punch the Air. Thank you all for, for listening. If you did, all 12 subscribers. All right. Fuck yeah. We love all y'all. You. Talk to y'all later. All right. See you, boys. Bye-bye.